Welcome to the Hogan Mystique, the podcast of the Ben Hogan Foundation. Today's guest is co-host of the T-Box on KTCK Ticket 1310-967. That's right. right? And chief editor of Avid Golfer Magazine and website too, I guess. Yeah, uh, myavidgolfer.com. Yeah. Great. Um, Eli Jordan. Eli, thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So Eli, we start every single podcast off with the same icebreaker question. And the question is, what's keeping you up at nights? That's a very good question. Right now, it's a bad mattress. It's funny you mentioned that because my wife and I, we've actually been mattress shopping the last couple of weeks because I'm starting to wake up sore. And so, yeah, just general age and back pain is what's keeping me up at night. Any mattress recommendations? <laughs> no, not yet. We're, uh, we're, we're shopping. We're shopping around. <laughs> yeah. But... That's good. Yeah. I think there's a mattress firm on every corner these days. That's yeah. about right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. True. And I don't know if they're any different than the others. But. Yeah. So, Eli, um, I guess kind of walk us through. Uh, you grew up in Arlington. Yeah. And then how did you get into the radio business and the journalism business? How did that happen? You know, I kind of just fell backwards into it, to be honest. I recall, this is probably gosh, 17, 18 years ago now. I took a trip up to Oklahoma City with a good friend of mine, Justin, and we were going to a wedding up there. And at the time I was, you know, kind of in and out of going to college, you know, went for a year, didn't really like it, you know, worked a job here and there, did some waiting tables, bartending, service industry mm -hmm. stuff. And uh, went to this wedding with my friend and we were, you know, had a few oat sodas as you tend to do at a wedding. And uh, that evening he had mentioned to me, he said, you know, you really ought to think about getting a job working at the ticket. Mm -hmm. You know, you, you listen to, to the radio station, you like sports, you like to talk about sports. It's a passion of yours. And at the time I was like, you know what, it's, it's not a bad idea. And luckily we didn't drink enough to forget that we'd had that <laughs> conversation. And when I got back in town that following Monday, I actually sent an email to, at the time, the promotions director at KTCK, um, a woman by the name of Jamie Garner, and just said, hey, are y'all hiring any promo people, you know, basically just street team members handing out mm -hmm. t-shirts and koozies and that kind of stuff. And she emailed me back later that day and said, yeah, you know, we're always kind of looking, come in and we'll, we'll have a conversation. And so I got hired about a week later um, to do that and did that for a couple of years, went back to school, finished my degree. And from there, it just kind of snowballed into doing that for a while. And then I started doing some board op stuff and eventually I left the ticket and I went to uh, Clear Channel, which is um, 97 won the Eagle and some of the other stations over there and was a board op doing overnights and, you know, just the the underling grind of, of radio and found my way back to the ticket a couple years later on the programming side doing tickers and doing on-air stuff, which is where I wanted to be from the beginning. But, you know, mm -hmm. you got to kind of climb the ladder and do the overnights and, yeah. and hand out the t-shirts and all that stuff where you can really kind of get your feet under you. Mm -hmm. And I ended up back there and been back there for almost nine years on the programming side of things. And yeah, it's been uh, it's been great. I mean, but quite literally started from as far down on the ladder as you could possibly be. So, yeah. Did you do any like student radio or anything like that before? Yeah. You know, I graduated from UTA and they did have a very rudimentary radio station at okay. UTA. Yeah. Um, obviously, North Texas is very well known for their radio TV broadcasting program up there. And they've got, you know, an actual terrestrial radio station. UTA was more online and it okay. was in the process of kind of being reconfigured and revamped whenever I was there. But the great part about that was, is it was basically just kind of open season on, hey, anytime you want, you can just go into the studio and crack the mic and start broadcasting. It was going out 
online. But uh, if you wanted to do a sports show for a couple hours on a Tuesday night, studio was always yeah. open so i love that about university you just have access to so many things yeah and and, and now the, the uta radio station they've you know this is obviously a long time ago but um they've completely revamped everything and and now they you know they're one of the more listened to student radio stations in the region so they've done a lot of good things over there since i since i was there but yeah we, we were at the very ground level of that too just kind of getting that back to where they wanted it to be. So yeah, it was, it was a good time. But yeah, plenty of opportunities in college to do that kind of stuff. And you graduated in broadcast management, is that right? Yes, that's right, yeah. And you said you went back to school to finish that degree. Were you undecided before or did you? Yeah, I was undecided about education in yeah. general. You know, I was never a great student in high school. I mean, I, I got through, I mean, I wasn't a complete idiot, but uh, I, I just never really gravitated towards any particular subject really mm -hmm. um and so when i went to college out of high school i did a year at uta and i didn't know anybody there a lot of my friends had gone away to school they had gone to ou or you know, tcu or texas mm -hmm. tech or you know all, all over the place and and i didn't really like it i didn't know anybody there and so i, I went for about a year and then i was like ah this this sucks you know mm -hmm. i want to do something else and so started working some kind of odd jobs. And then once I kind of got back into radio and right. realized, hey, you know, that's actually something that I do enjoy. And once I could kind of specialize in that, it really made a difference. And I was, okay, this is this is not bad now, now that I'm not having to do algebra two and yeah. just just to be honest, crap that I'm just not interested in whatsoever. Mm -hmm. But, you know, radio, sports, television, those kinds of things, that interests me a lot more than your standard, hey, I'm gonna go take trigonometry pass. It's yeah. not, not for me. Would you say that um, you would recommend someone to get a degree um, when you go into broadcasting? Because it sounds like you started your career and then went back or you started on a path and then yeah, went back. Yeah, I mean, you. radio and television, you know, television is obviously where the money is um, mm -hmm. more so than, than terrestrial radio at this point. And I think the younger generation gravitates towards podcasting, towards mm -hmm. social media. And, you know, if you ask kids now what they want to be like, nine out of 10 of them will tell you they want to be some sort of influencer, right. which isn't necessarily practical, but it, they seem to gravitate more towards that kind of kind of thing than than actual terrestrial radio. And, and I get it. I mean, you know, it's it's funny because I tell people all the time that, you know, the two careers that I've chosen are both in dying mediums, you know, print, <laughs> print media and, <laughs> and terrestrial radio. But I think specifically at the ticket, they've got such a cult following and such a rabid listenership that it has the potential to continue on for another generation or two, whereas some of the other maybe music stations with with yeah. all the different options you have out there to consume your music, music stations don't quite have the same longevity, I would I would think, than, than talk radio. Oh, I agree with and, that. Yeah. yeah, but even podcasts cut into some of the talk radio. But the ticket's a great place to be because we, we have so many loyal listeners. And, and mm -hmm. everywhere you go, and my wife, she finds us to be humorous we'll go to stars games or about a colonial here a few weeks back and we'll just be having a conversation and all of a sudden somebody will turn around and will say hey are you are you eli from the ticket yeah and so people recognize Your you voice. based on voice yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. which is and it, my wife gets a kick out of it because you know just about everywhere we go somebody will say something right and mm -hmm. uh that's the kind of the following that the ticket has so it's a, it's a great spot to be and I'm, I'm really happy that i've been there as long as i have well i think that you know you have a voice that i think um is not only recognizable, but also I think perfect for radio. You got a great radio voice, right? And I, I just wonder if you hadn't had that 
night in, in Oklahoma, if you still would have found your way there just because it's, somebody eventually would have said, hey, you sound pretty good on night. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it's possible. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad that that kind of started me on that path. And, and, I, and I, you know, will we'll thank my, my friend Justin, you know, until the, the day I die, because he basically gave me a career by yeah. just a very highly intoxicated suggestion. You right. know? Those are the best suggestions. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, well, I think that, uh, and, and the kind of happenstance of, of the, just the ticket, you know, that kind of, as you say, a cult following. Um, you know, I've been a P1 since day one, I guess, pretty yeah. much. Um, as my whole family has been, but I think that, um, you know, her dad, we had him on a podcast and he, he was, um, his resume speaks for itself, but president of Jive records and, and, you know, did big stuff in the, in the radio industry. And we talked about, um, you know, kind of where the medium is today. Mm -hmm. And it was funny to talk to him about how he got into it. And he was like, there was some, I can't remember the name of the DJ, but some DJ came over from America and did a show over in, in London when he was a little boy. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, it was like, a, um, everybody wanted to be there standing in line for it. And I was thinking about, you know, that, that when we grew up, how MTV was kind of that way, you know, everybody mm -hmm. was watching TV. But now I think about if I could name DJs on the radio, it'd be like Howard Stern and then here, the ticket guys. And I guess back, back in the day, Kid Craddock and guys like that. Sure. But, but those are, those are all kind of falling off. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. But I, I'm always curious about how, um, you know, there's really nobody behind Stern nationally, right? That's just going to take his place. So I just, that'll kind of fall off. Maybe Opie and Anthony, those guys and whatever. But the ticket has, has been able to sustain host leaving and that kind of thing. Because um, I, I would imagine that you, when you've been there, you're, um, you've got your own point of view, but you also kind of, you kind of mold in that ticket chemistry and their point of view of, of things too, because it's kind of taken on that. Yeah, so, yeah, I would say so. And, and, you know, when you've listened to those guys as long as we have, and, and you're like I am, I think, you know, my dad started listening to the ticket when it first started in 1994. Mm -hmm. And it was always on in the car whenever I was, you know, riding with him to school or to sporting yep. events or, you know, whatever. Yep. And so you just, you know, and it's funny because now our generation and even the generation below us, you know, they started listening because of their dads. And, mm -hmm. and when you when you work there and you do get to talk to those guys, it, it does feel like in a sense that you're kind of having a conversation with with your heroes, you know, mm -hmm. because you listen to them and, and hearing that voice growing up and then being able to sit across from them and, and have a conversation with them on the air, whether it be Norm or the Musers or any of those guys there. I mean, you know, they're all, they're radio icons in this area. Norm especially, and Norm, you know, just retired uh, today. And, and you should have seen how many people were up there. I mean, mm -hmm. and it went from, you know, all of the normal, regular, everyday hosts and all the way down to the last guy that's a part-time board op on the weekends. I mean, everybody was there for his last, you know, hour, hour and a half. And you were just standing there in the studio going, man, this, it, you know, it's, it, got emotional because mm -hmm. we've been listening to him for so long. I mean, whether yeah. it was on HSE during yeah. Rangers broadcasts or, or, you know, just throughout his, his talk radio career. Mm -hmm. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it really is a cool thing to see. That's what I remember about Norm is just, you know, summer days, having him on HSC watching the Rangers yeah. back when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And, um, my dad would always have, um, we had a, a very rudimentary TV out in our, back patio and my dad would do yard work and I'd be out there throwing the ball around and to be Norm's voice, you know, their yeah. very distinctive voice. Um, 
I mean, he's the voice yeah. of a couple of different generations. Absolutely. I mean, our parents listen to him, and and then you know uh, we listen to him. Yep. So it, it's it's been cool to to follow his career and. You know, I, I posted something on Facebook just a little while ago yeah, about so his retirement. Right. And, it was, you know, I mean, it, I, I, it's one of the highlights of my career to be able to sit and talk to him on the air, you yeah. know, and I mean, it was only a handful of times. But I mean, when you do that, it, I mean, you feel like, wow, I mean, I'm like, I feel like I've kind of made it, you yeah. know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's very cool. So, yeah, the tickets, it's a great, uh, a great family. It's a great vibe. I mean, everybody really respects one another up there. It's, it's really, really a neat thing. So if you had to put your finger on what what has made Norm great, what, what what do you think that is? Well, I think it's a handful of things, really. Yeah. I mean, I think not only is he a, a very intelligent sports mind. I mean, he knows how to analyze games and you know, and, and across all different sports. I mean, whether it be football or basketball, and his draft knowledge and just the research that he puts in. I mean, he's there every day at six o'clock in the morning. His show's not till ten. Mm -hmm. That's a two-hour show, mm -hmm. and he's there four hours ahead of time. And he's writing down notes, and he's still got his legal pad that he mm -hmm. you know scribbles things down on. He doesn't really use computers, mm -hmm. you know, like like uh, your modern broadcasters might. But just the fact that he's he's a such a brilliant sports mind and b he's, he's got such a big heart. I mean, like his philanthropy with mm -hmm. the Austin Street Sel uh, Shelter and Normathon and just how much money he's been able to raise for that. I mean, and he's just he's very well respected and, and he's got the ability to ask difficult questions without making it seem like he's asking hard questions. If that mm -hmm. makes sense, yeah. you know, like, it's not it's very non confrontational, yeah. even though he's trying to get a certain answer out of whether it be Jerry Jones or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever head coach or manager, you know, he might be talking to. So. Yeah. I think, you know, a lot of these um, kind of shock jocks or whatever, which Norm's not a shock jock, but no. a, lot, a lot of these guys will get on and think, you know, it's kind of what some of the musers joke about, Oh, this guy needs to be ripped. And, you know, and they, they do it, you know, kind of ironically and tongue in cheek. Sure. But, um, Norm has always, to me, has always been fair, and um, he gets more emotional about things than other broadcasters. But he's always—it's never personal for him. It's—it's no. mm -hmm. it's, you know, this is this, this is why I think this, and and um, and, and that's, good, that's a job. Good yeah. research to, to mm -hmm. back it up. And I think I heard like Mark Cuban on the other day, and he said, you know, Norm has ripped me a lot of times, but it's always been fair or yeah, something like that. Sure. So, yeah. Um, I mean, Jerry Jones was on this morning and, and yeah. basically kind of said the same thing. Hey, like you know, there's been times where, you know, I know you guys have had some less than positive things to say but it's never been it's never been mean-spirited you yeah. know yeah yeah the, well the, the cowboys have given us what 25 years of, of negative stuff to talk about so. bring that up <laughs> <laughs> so are you a cowboy fan or yeah. you... i mean it's as much as one can be these days but okay. yeah i mean I grew up grew up watching the cowboys obviously and you know sundays were kind of sacred around my grandparents house we'd all have lunch up there my mom and dad and my grandparents and the cowboys game would always be on in the background and yeah i mean um you know and then you had you know, obviously right about the time i was becoming kind of sports conscious you know when i was 11 12 13 years old and started playing a lot of sports myself whether it be football or baseball or basketball um the cowboys were at the height of their dynasty there in the 90s and so obviously you know being that age, I was a huge Cowboys fan. It's funny mm -hmm. because you see some of the ticket uh, younger kids that work up there that are, you know, in their 20s or even their 30s, and they have no concept of when the Cowboys were good because they were too young to remember yeah. it, you yeah. know? And, yeah. it's, and it's kind of funny because you have these these guys that are wanting to do on-air stuff, and the only, the only way they remember the Cowboys is just from them being very very average mm -hmm. they don't remember the the three super bowls in four years and you mm -hmm. know the, the fun that we got to have watching them whenever we were uh adolescents mm -hmm. so it, it is kind of kind of funny in that regard 
Yeah, that was the, when you and I were growing up. That was like the perfect time to be a cowboy fan. Yes, because I, I mean, we we would go to friends' houses for for playoff games, mm-hmm. knowing the Cowboys are going to win, or, or at least they have a really yeah, good shot. Have to a do pretty it. good idea they were going to. Yeah, and, and they were going to, you know, what whatever was going on at the White House and all that other stuff. They at least. You felt like with Aiken and Erden and and Emmett, they're going to run the right way. They were going to be tough, and they were going to, you know, and they mm-hmm. had, had these. It just it's just a different world, and it is. Um, um, yeah. So it's just it, it is different. My my son, uh, you know, it's it, the new generation. Also, I think with fantasy football expanding out and all these other things expanding out, he doesn't really have a team. He follows players, and I think that's inter- that's not what I did. I followed a team. I didn't. I, I you know, it didn't matter. Who who I liked on the Eagles? I hated the Eagles. That's and, right. And he's still he, do. Yeah, right, right. And and but he's not like that. He's loves Jalen Hurts, and so he's an Eagles fan sometimes. And, sure. And it is what it is. It's that's, just a different generation. It's probably because of social media. Yeah, you absolutely. To yeah, yeah. Certain players yeah. more than others. Yeah, I mean, he he he. You know, he's a. We're more of a college football family, so he watches that, and then he just says, "I like this player in college, so I'm going to follow him all the way through." And mm-hmm. and so that's just what it is. Okay. So you go from the ticket, and then I guess that kind of leads to avid golfer for you. Or, yes. Okay. So did you meet Rick and Craig through that? Yeah. Or, okay. uh, w- whenever I got hired back at the ticket to do programming stuff, um, my first gig, as is pretty standard, is Saturday morning tickers, which is no. basically just our little you know two minute sports update couple times an hour. I think when I started, I think we were still doing three an hour. I think now it's just two an hour. But uh, yeah, one of my first assignments was doing tickers during that Saturday morning shift because mm-hmm. you know obviously that's that's kind of the shift they start you on because yeah. nobody really wants it. Saturday morning, yeah, yeah, you're you know getting up at five o'clock in the morning on Saturdays. But uh, yeah, I was I was doing tickers for for the tee box and had probably been doing that for I don't know a year or so, year and a half. And I heard Craig Rosengarden, the president of Avid Golfer. Uh, I heard him mention one day, you know, they were looking for some help around the Avid Golfer office. And um, being a guy that, you know, has played a lot of golf, I just kind of said, well, hey, you know, uh, mm-hmm. what about me? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm working part time here at the radio station, basically getting paid in, you know, uh, Starburst and you know Doritos. <laughs> and uh, and I was like, you know, a, a full time gig would really go a long way. And uh, he was like, yeah, well, just, you know, come talk to me uh, Monday morning. And so I went in and. Talked to him and he hired me a couple days later and uh, started off there just kind of just helping with whatever they needed and eventually we had some turnover around the office mm-hmm. and then I started doing some writing for the magazine and then uh, Travis Measley who was our editor uh, before I uh, took over he basically inherited the Texas Junior Golf Tour so he's the director of the Texas Junior Golf Tour now okay. and so he handles all of that and so whenever he took over those duties Craig was like well you're the next guy up so um, you know and, and uh, I guess editing is not particularly my strong suit but uh i love to write i love the game of golf and and i love the people i work with and that goes a long way and you know we have we have several people up there that kind of help with everything but um i'm kind of in charge of just putting the magazine together hey well you know this is what we're going to write about this month this is the course we're going to review this month this Mm -hmm. is the restaurant we're going to review this month and um yeah it's been great i mean I, i love working with those guys and and then just you know recently um they brought me on to, to be a third host on the tee box. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's kind of come full circle. So a year ago, over a year ago now, uh, right about that. Probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think would say your first show was, wasn't your first show where you were discussing tiger's potential comeback. Yeah, it very well could be. I'd have to go back and look, but I yeah, that sounds so. about right. I but. think I remember that. And I, I actually, I want to know what you think about that now that it's been a year since do you think Tiger will make a comeback? 
No, I mean, I, I, I think we'll probably see him play competitive golf again. I don't know at what level. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like with all the, the health issues that he's had, I just it it doesn't bode well. The fact that we heard what a couple months back that he was going to have to have another surgery because mm-hmm. he had these pins and rods sticking out of his skin yeah. and uh, yeah it just doesn't what i didn't hear that's that. what jason day said yeah yeah he was he wait was, he like tweeted it or he said it in an interview how did he, he say it he said at some tournament that he at one point he looked down and tiger had his sock off or something and he could see there was a screw sticking out of his skin no yeah yeah and so he, that's I think why, surgeon? <laughs> excuse me that's the amazing thing is it's probably the best one yeah that does that particular procedure and i think that that just tells you how bad that injury was oh my god even with his financial resources and ability to locate the best possible surgeon to do that that he's still having these kinds of issues i, I think and he's out there playing trying to play yeah, at the same time the, i think the fact that they saved his leg i think is a, a miracle mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't mm-hmm. have to actually amputate i think that is special in itself the fact mm-hmm. that he actually has a leg so i, I don't know how much competitive golf we're going to see him play moving forward i think it's probably you might see him play the masters mm-hmm. you know and that's probably about it but I mean, even that's up in the air. The I mean, screw sticking out of yeah. his ankle. Not not good. It doesn't doesn't sound good. I just yeah, you know, he is so. Um, it's interesting that kind of double edged sword of being Tiger Woods, with all the stuff he gets from being Tiger Woods, money and fame and all those things that you'd like, mm-hmm. and then the the increased pressure on himself to, like none of us in here would probably continue to play. Pro- for, uh, competitive golf if we if we had screws sticking over like I quit playing competitive softball because I got tired of getting like raspberries on my leg so yeah no I would not be playing competitive golf I like my back hurts I don't play recreational golf so well how, how long have you been playing golf uh you know I, I think like a lot of people that started in the game of golf uh my dad introduced me to it you yeah. know when I when I talk to people or do interviews and it doesn't matter if it's you know the Judd or if it's Will Zalatoris or Scotty Scheffler, their answer is always the same. Yeah, you know, my dad got me started. Mm-hmm. He played and um, he was a, a recreational. He was yeah. a muni rat, you know, mm-hmm. played at, you know, Meadowbrook Fort Worth and mm-hmm. Lake Arlington and mm-hmm. Sycamore Creek back when it was still a thing. And, yeah. um, so he took me to play a few times when I was a kid and I always enjoyed it and started playing more once I got into middle school, especially during the summers when there wasn't a lot to do. But like, you know, we'll go down to Lake yeah. Arlington, play nine holes or walk 18 holes back when you could still walk 18 holes and not mm-hmm. risk death. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, got into it that way. And, and certainly once I got out of high school, I always played baseball. Always, yeah. that was kind of my first love. And um, I've always been very competitive. And once you kind of get out of high school and that's kind of taken away from you, you try and find some kind of vehicle for yeah. competitive outlet yeah. and golf makes a lot of sense because it's something that you can play for a lifetime. Mm-hmm. You know, you can play into your fifties and sixties and, you know, assuming your body cooperates with you, you can play for a long time. And, you know, even if you're playing for a couple bucks with your buddies or, you know, Hey, I'll you know, get, got the first round closest to the pin on this hole or whatever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it at least kind of stokes the competitive fire a little yeah. bit, yeah. you know? And, and I think that is, what really made me gravitate towards a game of golf and it's 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 impossible to figure out you know Mm -hmm. i mean you you can't perfect it yeah i mean there are guys that have tried and there are guys that have been as close as can possibly be i mean tiger woods or jack nicholas or i mean scotty scheffler's been on a wicked heater here the last you know year and a half and Mm -hmm. you know but you see those guys even struggle And, and and the one thing that i like to tell people in when it comes to the game of golf, and I think you would probably agree with this, both of you would, mm. golf is the one sport where 
you could take me. I'm a five handicap. I'm a decent player, not mm-hmm. bad. Mm-hmm. You could take me and I could go play with Scotty Scheffler for a round at Royal Oaks. Mm-hmm. And maybe one or two of those holes, maybe I hit a, an iron to six feet and make a birdie and maybe he hits one in the bunker and makes a par. Mm-hmm. There's not another sport like that. You're yeah. not going to go rush for 100 yards in the NFL. You're right. not going to back Giannis Antetokounmpo into the paint and score on him. Mm-hmm. He's going to throw the ball 50 feet into the stands. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's the one sport where theoretically for maybe a hole or two, you could beat the best player in the world. Yeah. yeah. And you're not going to find another sport like that. For me, that's what makes golf a lot of fun. And, you yeah. know, you, you see those guys played yesterday at Irving Golf Club, mm-hmm. played with a couple of random dudes, and, you know, and they were not good. But mm-hmm. they were enjoying it, and they were enjoying being outside. And, you know, every now and again, they'd run into a 20-foot putt, and you're like, hey, look at that, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, to me, what makes golf so much fun and so special is not only can you enjoy being outdoors with your friends, you can have beverages if you want. If you don't, great. If you're hyper-competitive about it, that's cool. If you just like to go out there and swing a few and, and knock back a few beers, that's cool, too. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's for me, it's a, a, a perfect game. Yeah, I, I yeah, perfect and imperfect, right? Yeah, and, no doubt. and that's what makes it perfect, I think. Because, mm-hmm. y- you know, you run into that. Um, I was thinking about this, actually, this morning, how – um, you hit that perfect shot and it puts it in the back of your mind of like, man, I used to hit it like that every time. And so you're now, you're well, like, maybe you did, but well, they just, <laughs> and you think about like, oh, I can still do that. But then you realize, oh no, part, part of father time is you don't do that as often. That's true. Slide off. Um, but that's the beauty of chasing it. And then maybe that's why Tiger's still chasing it. But I mean, that's why our namesake, Mr. Hogan used to, that's why he was perfect for this game. Cause he, cause he, chased it forever you mm-hmm. know yeah. and, and was still out there hitting balls uh until his body said no more yeah um and then he was still around the game every yeah. day yeah that's right and, and chased it with with his club company and those mm-hmm. kind of things so yeah so i've never actually thought go ahead yeah i've never thought about it as like this all-inclusive game like i know it's men and women can play you have different t-boxes but you can actually the game you make it yourself like you make it your own game, and I love that. I've never thought about that. Yeah, sure. And, and I, that's one of the things I preach to, to amateurs. I mean, obviously, I'm an amateur as well, but people that are just picking up the game, for yeah. example, mm-hmm. or juniors or women that are just picking up the game or, you know, whoever, play appropriate tees. Have fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like, don't don't be a, a, a hondo and try and play the tips everywhere And because that's <laughs> what the pros do. That's no, It's not going to be any fun. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if you get a chance to go play Fields Ranch East, which is 8,000 yards from the tips – don't you don't need to do that right play it from where you're going to have some wedges in your hand and you're Mm going to have some birdie opportunities that's what's going to keep you coming back Mm -hmm. not going home and like whoa yeah we played the tips and you know i shot 107 you know Mm -hmm. that's not fun right quit Um, after 12 holes because i have my balls left (laughs) (laughs) and and then that's a great part about golf too is i mean you can make it anything you want to make it i mean you can make it as fun or as difficult or as Mm -hmm. challenging as you want and if you want to up the ante and play for money and be sweating the entire back nine because the match is close. That's yeah. awesome, and that's that's fun to that's fun to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you you know want to go out and play from the forward tees and you know knock back a sixer and don't care what your score is and don't even bother write it down, you can do that too, and that's yeah. that's what makes it fun. It's all in the same space. Mm-hmm. I really like that. I've never connected those dots. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <Wah-wah. laughs> well, um, so avid golfer. I, I always thought that the um, name is interesting because. I think um, I'm an I'm an avid reader of it, um, mm-hmm. 
but I think it, it's it's not only just for the avid golfer, but sometimes it's even more for the casual golfer, right? Yeah, the sure. Itself, and I think not, I'm not saying you're misnamed it, but I or I don't I'm sure you didn't name it. I did not. No, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think it's misnamed. I think it's a great name, but I I do think that um, it's not just for the guy that is watching the John Deere Classic, at, you know, Thursday through Sunday. It's for the mm-hmm. guy that only tunes in for the final round of the Masters, but also just likes kind of going out with his buddies. Too. Yeah, and, and I think it's more of a lifestyle publication. I yeah. mean, you know, obviously it's golf-centric, but we have a, a car review in the magazine every month for, you know, people that are, are gearheads. And mm-hmm. then, you know, we have a restaurant feature in the magazine every month if you're, you know, looking for a good mm-hmm. date night for mm-hmm. for you and the the missus or the hubby. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, we kind of cater to everybody. And you used to have a beer cart girl of the month. We did, and, yeah, and, that was in. And st- then woke culture got you, didn't it? Still to this day, <laughs> it's funny. The two questions I get asked the most Number one, what's Gordo like? That's that's the number one question I get. Oh, you work for the ticket? What's Gordo like? Yeah. In fact, I've got a, a bit with my buddies anytime we're out in public and somebody's like, oh, you work for the ticket? My buddy always goes, what's Gordo like? Because you know that question is yeah, right, coming. Right, right, right. And the second question I get, especially once I find out I work for Avid Golfers, what did you all do with the cart girl of the month? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I, you kind of answered the question. We felt it was probably best to go ahead and pull the court on that before somebody got upset. <laughs> and, and it is a shame because the, the girls that we featured, they really enjoyed it. You know, yeah. and several of them have used it as kind of a jumping sure, off point sure. to yeah. uh, becoming influencers. There's a there's a girl named Hope Beal that was um, in the magazine several times. And that's how she started um, her career was she was our beverage cart girl of the month and she worked at it. I think Coyote Ridge and Indian Creek and mm-hmm. she's in the magazine a couple of times. Now she's a big time influencer on Instagram and has millions of followers. And, um, and it was never in poor taste. I mean, we didn't have them in no, no. bathing suits yeah, yeah, or yeah. anything when they were wearing their yeah. you know, work attire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it just did seem like with everything that was kind of coming down the pike with the the Me Too movement and yeah. everything, it's like, ah, you know what? It's probably probably best we go ahead and send that Different. out the pasture. Yeah, yeah. But but yeah, I definitely get that question a lot. Yeah, that's the first thing girl. when I was working at Shading. You guys were going to come down there and play. That was one of the first things the guys told me. They used to have a cut cut of the month, and she's not there anymore. Can you ask him why? It's like, we should have replaced it with GM of the month. Or yeah, assistant professional of the month. Or, yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. A little, di- little diversity. So, mm-hmm. um, so I guess you've probably noticed um, more than most post COVID the the or, or I guess post the inception of COVID. I don't know if we're post COVID yet, who knows? I had a friend You're living with it. Yeah, yeah. But the, the the state of the game right now, and it, it appears that from, from what I can tell, um, trying to get tee times at public courses and private courses, it, it, demand is just exploding. Um, and that may be demand right now exploding through the wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the d- demand is just exploding for the game. Um, what do you first of all do you see that and secondly what do you attribute that to if you see that of course yeah i mean the game of golf's in a great place right now i mean if you're in the golf industry I mean, it's really it's really booming mm-hmm. um there's a lot of money to be made there's a lot of uh a, a lot of new properties that are opening a lot of courses mm-hmm. are renovating um and yeah a lot of that is because of covid and that's i guess if there is any sort of silver lining from covid it is that the golf industry really did kind of take off once we kind of got over that initial you know two or three or four months where like you couldn't do anything um golf courses started opening back up and people quickly realized like hey it's one of the few things i can do outside you can't go to happy hour you can't Mm -hmm. go see a movie it's impossible to go to a restaurant because everywhere's you know if they are open you've got to sit 20 feet from everybody and there's (laughs) only six tables and 
So I think people quickly realize like, hey, if I want to get outside and, and just not be depressed indoors all the time, golf's a good vehicle for that. Mm-hmm. And um, despite the fact that we had the, you know, pool noodle in the bottom of the hole and all that stuff, which, yeah. which I will t- go to my grave saying was the stupidest COVID protocol that we came up with during that entire three years or however long it was. Yeah, it, it was really, <laughs> really wild. I, I, just, you know, and, and and I try to not be as critical as people doing COVID stuff because we did none of us knew what, what sure, was going on. No doubt. But there's certain things we're going to look back and be like, what what were we, what what are right. we doing the, here? The pool noodle in the yeah, golf yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah, I, I remember at one point uh, that first like couple months of COVID when they were allowing people back at like Colonial, mm-hmm. guys were shooting like astronomical scores because they they had the the pool noodle in there, and so they're just hammering putts, and so they're making everything. Yeah, right. Because mm-hmm. you didn't have to worry about speed anymore. All you had to do is hammer at the hole. Oh, um, you know, the rakes that was kind of a crazy thing where they they wouldn't let us rake the bunkers. That because, at least made some sense i i don't know either way <laughs> golf is in a really good place and i think covid mm-hmm. is part of that because the people that took up golf again or started yeah. playing golf during covid they seem to have stuck with it you know and i mean we're seeing numbers that are uh, comparable to when tiger was at his yeah. peak like in you know 2004 2005 this reminds me of that yeah i mean where you know, golf courses are just packed and, and and like i said i'm kind of a muni rat you know i mean i don't i don't belong to a club anywhere you know i get a chance to play some of the nicer yeah. ones just for my job but um you know we played your lake arlington's and mm-hmm. tierra verde and texas rangers golf club and cowboys and irving golf club and you know all over the place and it's it's hard to to get a tea time i mean i've got a a a golf buddy that I play with a couple times a week. He's in the car business, and so he's off Thursdays and Sundays, and so we'll typically play one of those days, if not both. And whenever we're finishing up our round on a Thursday afternoon, I mean, we're jumping online to try and book for next Thursday. Because oh, okay. if you don't, I mean, yeah. you're like you're you're not going to find it's anything unless you want to play at four in the afternoon or yeah. three in the afternoon. And this yeah. time of year, it's 150 degrees. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. and we're, we're lucky in this area too that we have really good public golf courses. We do. I mean, da- Dallas has some great courses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Arlington, I mean, I think Arlington public golf, as far as, especially for a city, the size of Arlington is pretty amazing. Yeah. We've got three really, really solid golf courses mm-hmm. and what they did with the ditto, uh, now Texas Rangers. Texas golf Rangers golf. I mean, is, is so good. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a, it's a great fun golf course. It's pretty mm-hmm. user-friendly too. Yep. I mean, yep. um, Tara Bernie's got a great layout. Like Arlington's a, a, a good golf course. It's been in really good shape the last few years, but yeah, you're right. I mean, DFW golf in general, I mean, and what they've done with, I know Rockwood's had some green issues here as of late, but that renovation is really solid. Mm-hmm. Hawks Creek's a really good golf course. Mm-hmm. Uh, Meadowbrook Fort Worth's not a bad golf course. I mean, yep. just layout wise, like the composition of it's pretty solid. It's never in, you know, incredible shape. Whitestone's um, guessing good too. Yeah, Whitestone's not bad. I mean, you know, so there, there are options not only for if you want to play, um, you know, on the kind of cheaper end, if you want to mm-hmm. pay 45 bucks or if you want to mm-hmm. play, you know, uh, Cowboys and pay $240 or whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. I mean, you've got options and yeah. there's a lot of good ones. Yeah. Where, where, where do you see like top golf fitting and all that? Is it is it attracting? Is it bringing new people in the game, or is it bringing top golf people into top golf? That's a good question. You know, and I haven't spent a lot of time at top golf. Generally, if I'm utilizing my golfing dollar, I'm just going to go play. Yeah. Um, but I, I do feel like there's definitely some crossover there of people that started going to top golf and then said, "Ah, well, you know what? Let's try and take this out to a real course and go play nine holes." Yeah. Or, um, and I think Top Golf is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't do it a lot, mm-hmm. but 
Yeah, I think there's definitely some crossover there. I think there's people that probably do just enjoy Top Golf because you can go and have drinks and food, and mm-hmm. you know, girls can wear their cute outfit and all that mm-hmm. kind of it's stuff. It's become a trend, right? That's right. It's and, very uh, TikToky, right? I think so. It's it's almost like intended to be this outdoorsy yeah. nightclub. It's a, well, it's, it's a, a it's a it's to... a bowling alley with golf, right? Yes. In some some ways, I don't know if they'd like that, but it, but it, I think that's a lot of what it is. is have that... you seen the football bowling they have now? I think they're they just opened one up in Plano. No, no. So it's basically like cornhole and bowling and football combined, but they have bowling pins that are set up like you know thirty yards away, and you throw footballs. Oh, oh, footballs, American footballs. Yeah, the American football. I was yes. like, wait, you have to hit, like you have to kick it up in it's, the air. It's almost like we, we watched the movie Basketball as kids, yeah, and we just decided, oh, let's do that with everything. Let's so. see how many sports we can just combine into one. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but Basket- yeah, I've never had a basketball. Cool. Yeah. What's basketball? Um, so how do you feel about no? What's basketball? Yeah. Oh, you it's haven't seen basketball? It's a movie. Oh, no. you need to see basket yeah. as in basketball. It's no, it's ba- it's baseball and basketball. I don't know. And combined, it was yeah, okay. it was a movie. Okay. Well, yeah. I'll put it so on the South Park guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. South Park oh, okay. guys wrote it. So not bad. It's yeah. like twenty years old now. Yeah, but. it's a good, it's a good late night watch. Maybe, okay. um, maybe if you've had some of those um, oat sodas. So, yes, yeah. right. Um, or other recreationals, uh, <laughs> depending on what you're into. Uh, you have to go to Oklahoma for that. Sir. That's right. Um, so what about? Um, well, how do you feel about? I, you're kind of the voice of the common golfer, weekend warrior, I guess, at Avid Golfer. Take that as a compliment. Yeah, yeah it's meant to be. Um, how do you feel about the rollback debate? You know, to be honest, I haven't really taken a real deep dive into it. I mean, I I, I don't feel like it has any benefit to the amateur player. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I feel like the golf balls are just fine and i don't feel like amateur players by and large just go out and overpower golf courses and mm-hmm. like you mentioned there's so many different sets of tee boxes now that you can make it as challenging or as you know user friendly as you want mm-hmm. for the professionals i think there's an argument that that should maybe be considered mm-hmm. because they do genuinely overpower golf courses they go out i mean you know we watched guys just bully a u.s open golf course last mm-hmm. week mm-hmm. and uh, and i know the scores you know over the weekend weren't quite as good as they were earlier in the week but when you see guys shooting 10 11 under you know in these supposedly really difficult setups i think there's an argument that could be made that you know maybe they do need to make the golf ball not quite as long and where you know low spin and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff so yeah, I mean, I think there's there's uh, there's definitely the argument could be made for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think I struggle with the kind of what you said about you and Scotty Scheffler going out to play together. I think that part of the beauty of the game is that we can go out and play the same golf course and feel like we're playing the same sport, right? Mm-hmm. So there's that argument of like if you bifurcate it and you have um, an amateur ball and a professional ball or whatever the case may be, you, you kind of get away from that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, um, they're playing right now. They're playing a different game, than, and it's not because of anything other than athleticism or whatever. They, or you know, they, just the way the technology shoots it up for them. And it, you know, if you and I went out and played LACC last week, you know, we're not going to find eight birdies on that golf course. No, right? It's also a really small percentage that find those eight birdies. It is, and and I don't, you know, I don't know, you know, that was actually. A, really enjoyable open for me mm. and, and i and man I, we talked about it earlier twitter is a cesspool what's even worse is golf twitter holy cow those <laughs> people you can't make those people happy no and and i, I mean following golf twitter last week was just awful because i kept thinking 
can you guys enjoy the fact that you have this leaderboard that is unbelievable? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in the fact that it kind of reminded me a little bit of a British Open where you go out and you blitz the front nine and then coming home, it's hard. Mm -hmm. Because that was kind of fun to watch. It was so fun to yeah. watch. And you didn't know what was going to happen. It was really nerve wracking. Yeah. I mean, he, and yet it was one shot. I mean, he, mm -hmm. it was yeah. not like a, and there wasn't that much movement. Nope. after those first two days or no. three days it, it, it reminds me every year at colonial the, the membership loves to panic every year mm. when somebody goes out and shoots 63 or 64 or 62 the first round I'm like oh my god they're going to shoot 20 under mm -hmm. and there have been a few years where they have but for the most part the course dials in and 10 under wins or 11 under or mm -hmm. nine under this year eight under wins you know um but yeah. i i don't really you know i don't really know if, if par really I don't know. I, I just want to see entertaining golf and I don't really know. I know those guys are better than I am. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know. I don't really care if they um, go out and just hammer the course because that's what they're supposed to do. I'm, I'm you know, I, I do other things better than they do. So they're the, so there. They can't do what I can do. But I, that's right. Know, so that's fine. Right. You should go be a lawyer Name those things. or a I'm CEO. Um, I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> just, just give me a hard time. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know. Podcast, you podcast. No, they can do that right. better. Than yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. Um, you know, we can raise money, hopefully, for the Hogan Foundation better That's than they right. can. There you go. That's it, right. If, if they but if they want to join in and help, you yeah, know, yeah. we're not going to stop yet. Yeah, let's, get, let's give it a shot. So, <laughs> But um, I actually think it's really interesting because in baseball, they've changed the ball to increase runs which for pitchers has been really tough, especially in AAA and the majors, because that's where it's implemented, right? Um, and they want more runs and higher scores because it's more exciting. And I don't know with golf, if they change that and their scores are lower, if there's a potential for losing an audience because it's not as exciting and you're not seeing those incredible scores as much. Yeah, I, I think golf has a hard time enjoying prosperity sometimes like that they yeah they tried everything they could to screw it up with tiger um mm -hmm. you know they had this once in a generation kind of player mm -hmm. and they tried everything they could to um to to mess it up and hopefully they don't they take advantage of there's a lot of exciting guys out there to go watch i mean scotty scheffler is not the most exciting guy to go have a beer with probably i don't know if he drinks beer. i don't think I he would, would. he's a christian so, boy yeah. but, but he's, a, he's a nice kid yeah. but he's yeah. really fun to watch play golf because he man he that that these, you know things he does with his feet and like how's he hitting I the ball he's not even touching Actually, the ground right now um jack judson does a similar has a similar follow through that as scotty at the moment i hope he has a similar bank account at some point yeah, yeah. That'd be nice, wouldn't it? yeah. <laughs> but, but um yeah i, I just I, i'm just curious if you see um um if anybody that you see across the golfing world is is really all that focused in on man I, I remember the days when even Parr used to win the U.S. Open. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I tend to gravitate towards that group. I didn't think this was the most exciting U.S. Open. The mm -hmm. leaderboard was fine. Mm -hmm. The winner, okay, Wyndham Clark, great, yeah. sure, seems like a nice enough guy. Good story. Um, I I, I kind of subscribe to the. I'd like to see the U.S. Open be as challenging as possible. Now I don't mm -hmm. want to see him go out there and just get butchered and shoot eighty five every day, but. Yeah. Um, I do. I, I'm just kidding. It is fun to watch, <laughs> yeah, though, like, like once or twice too. a year. I mean, you mentioned I'm Colonial. I mean, I think for the, the average casual fan, I don't have any problem with guys going out and shooting 63 at Colonial. I mean, yep. I think it's fun to watch. I mean, people want to watch birdies. People want to watch guys making charges on Sunday where, you know, mm -hmm. you might have a guy that goes out and shoots 62 or 63 and comes from six or seven shots back and ends up in a playoff. Yes. I just feel like the U.S. Open, I, I feel like it should be, a, it should be the, the toughest test. 
Yeah. And yeah. I, I don't think we got a lot of that this last weekend. The leaderboard was fine. I think a lot of the part that I didn't care for was just the overall vibe of the tournament. Like there weren't a lot of fans. Yeah, it that was like weird. there was a lot yeah. of intensity, a lot not mm-hmm. a lot of emotion from the from the galleries. And I think a lot of that was just because it was mainly corporate. Yeah. Um it's so, that's yeah. right. It did seem a little different. It didn't mm-hmm. actually feel this might be really insulting, but it didn't actually it didn't feel as majory as majory, is that a word? It is now. Yeah. Yeah. As the um, past majors I've watched. I, I, in I, fact, until you said a major last week, I was like, oh my God, mentally. I was like, oh my goodness, that was right. That was a major. Well, I think that that hurts guys like Rory because mm. Rory is a, to me, is a momentum guy. Yeah. And the one year he played at Colonial was the COVID year. Mm. And there's there were no fans out there in 2020. And he would have won that tournament if there were fans out there because I remember he bur- one day he bur- or he eagled number one. And he was kind of on this charge, and then on Sunday, I remember he came off the golf course and he told one of the tournament committee guys like, "I just there was no energy out there," and I think he shot seventy five or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he could have made a charge. And he's a guy that I think needs the fans, and I just wonder if if the sure. fans have been out there have been different. There's no doubt. I mean, I think there are certain players that do absolutely feed off of the galleries when they're they're playing well. I mean, Tiger's a great example mm-hmm. of that. I mean, when those when those crowds got going and he was able to get them involved, I mean, he would he would run away with events. Yeah. And if he was behind, he would close in on guys ahead of him because he was feeding off of that energy. And they were intimidating the other people, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you, you start hearing those crowds from three or four holes back and you're going, oh, no, what's, what's happening? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on back there? And yeah, I mean, there there are absolutely guys I think that flourish whenever there's electricity on the course, and I just didn't get a lot of sense of that. I feel like Ricky Fowler probably would have had a better showing yeah. on Sunday if there yeah. would have been more California faithful there, kind mm-hmm. of rooting him on. So yeah, it's it's unfortunate, but I'm ready for Rory to win again. It's been what since 2014? Yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, it's just I'm just so ready for yeah. him to win again. Yeah, he is too. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I, sure. I think that um, <laughs> we can all agree though that. That primetime golf is oh, yeah. there's nothing it's, better than that. that that's so. the best. Yeah. Now, I, I'm not so sure about the Saturday night that lasted that was crazy. until 10 o'clock. Yeah. But uh, definitely on Sunday when you were still, you know, three or four holes left and it's 8 o'clock, you're mm-hmm. like, all right, yeah, I, this I, is good. I like yeah. this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get the opposite, you know, when it's kind of on the East Coast, you're like, eh, okay, it's, you know, it's not quite as entertaining because it's over at four in the afternoon. Right, right. Now I guess still got to do stuff. Although, so. arguably, the the most iconic victory we've seen in the last 10 years, which was Tiger's Masters win. If you'll remember, they teed them off super, super oh, early that storm, morning right. because yeah. was, they yeah. were expecting a, a lot of rain in the afternoon. So that turned into like what, maybe 1230 mm-hmm. in the afternoon, maybe, which was also kind of neat. Morning golf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. That's true. I have a question for you, Eli. Yes. It's, are you allowed to talk about Liv? Am I allowed to ask you about Liv? Sure. What are your thoughts on Liv and PGA? I know this is like, I want to know what yeah, your thoughts I mean, are. I feel like we've kind of beaten the dead horse on the the live PGA chatter for the last year, and we've mm-hmm. we've gone through the ins and outs of live and the guys that have defected, and then what the PGA Tour guys were saying, and then what the commissioner was saying, and then Greg Norman and his thoughts. And boy, I, I got to tell you, <laughs> I, 
I don't really care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I, I enjoy watching all of these guys play. I didn't watch a lot of live golf mainly because it was kind of hard to find. Mm -hmm. You know, it's on whatever WB network, like right after reruns the Gilmore Girls or whatever's on there. Um, <laughs> My wife's going to. No, I, I love I love the Gilmore Girls too. <laughs> that's, so that's fair, like... <laughs> but not exactly the best network for you know an up and coming revolutionary golf product. Yeah, not um, the I, audience I you're live, trying to reach. The the live has some some very innovative and interesting ideas, you know, with the kind of shotgun start and you know guys being able to wear shorts and they've got music mm -hmm. playing on the course. And it doesn't seem as formal, mm -hmm. which I guess is uh, a kind of double edged sword. You mm -hmm. know, it doesn't feel like professional golf mm -hmm. um, that we're used to, mm -hmm. but it, it, it does make it a lot of fun to watch. You know, and and I just the thing that I kind of keep coming back to is. Where did the PGA just all of a sudden find all this money? Yeah. You know, they've been holding out on these guys for a while. And if you'll go back and look at some of the comments that were made by some of the guys that left for Lib, I think they kind of knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Hey, I'm going to take the bag and I'm going to get a couple hundred million dollars in the bank. And I guarantee you at some point the PGA guys are going to submit and we're going to be yeah. right back there where we started. And we're also going to have $200 million. And if you're a guy like Rory mm -hmm. or Scotty Scheffler or Jordan Spieth or Justin Thomas or guys that could have had a couple hundred million dollars coming to them, I'm sure they're pretty hot about it. Mm -hmm. And now you've got the PGA Tour commissioner that's had some sort of health issue. And I, I mean, I, I don't want to speculate, but I'm thinking he just wanted to stay out of the spotlight for a few weeks mm -hmm. and maybe was having a little, uh, little bit of a breakdown because he's been just raked over the coals by all these guys. And, and I, it's... It's been a very bizarre story, but I think mm -hmm. overall it, it's good for the game of golf, even though it kind of splintered the two, you know, the, the live guys and the PGA Tour guys. It mm -hmm. definitely had more eyeballs on the game of golf. You mm -hmm. had multiple segments about it on sports radio. And mm -hmm. and anytime that people are talking golf, it can only be good for the game. Any, any publicity is good publicity. So Amen. That's the old Jerry Jones philosophy, right? Mm -hmm. Right. But I think that, um, you know, that's kind of what I mean about uh, – they need to make, make sure they take care of their prosperity. You know, golf's in a good spot right now as mm -hmm. far as just globally. But you don't want to chase people away because you have this, like, splintered factions and all this kind of stuff. And it seems like, um, I don't know if you did, but I grew up on professional wrestling. That was oh, yeah. That was a big thing back in the day. That's right. Back in our back in our heyday in the 80s. It was, yeah, yeah. It was a big deal. And, and, and She's just shaking her head. Mm -hmm. Well, nobody was better at taking advantage of eyeballs and professional wrestling yeah and i just wonder if um there's some way to there's nothing wrong with having a villain in a sport right mm. like um you know part of what made arnie great was everybody hated jack for a while right um do you want me to add to that yeah sure even hogan i mean he had this he was a wonderful man but he had this side that was portrayed almost villain-esque i don't know if that's a word either but we're just making up new ones today well just yeah just a, kind of a cold calculated yeah you know, just you know and then you had kind of byron nelson this sunny figure that everybody thought was you know the, and the, the nice man right mm -hmm. which he was a nice man he was a very nice man but but um i think that there's there's some room for to um for people to look at phil mickelson or mm -hmm. to look at greg norman or look at whoever and say that's their Hulk Hogan of golf now. Yeah. You know, that, that this is a guy or the who the whole what of golf? Hulk Hogan. He was a, he was a he he was a, he made a heel turn in, in professional wrestling. Yeah. But my I point is, is 
like yeah. li- leaving no. myself notes. She did not sign up for this no. today. We're <laughs> wrestling talk. Wrestling. Yeah. Actually, Just wait till we get to Randy the Macho Man. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, I think the only thing that I know about wrestling that might be a wrestling reference, but it might not be, and it's like. Something like sometimes when you're a man, you wear stretchy pants in your room just for fun. Have you ever heard of that? No, I don't no, know. Never. Have you, Chris? Never. Uh, <laughs> is it not real? Did three, I make yeah. it up? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, for real. But I, I just think that um, there's probably some room for that. Um, I don't know why we we're hiding from that and like everybody has to be, you know, we have to treat everybody like they're going to be the fan favorite. They're they're not all Ricky Fowlers out there, no. right? Mm. And they don't they don't want to be. Like there's there's guys out there that probably like the fact that they're Patrick Reed kind of likes that fact. Oh, that, I bet he loves it. Yeah, I and bet he loves it. And and his wife, who is um, speaking of golf Twitter, is on there and it just she's she she knows what she's doing. And she knows. I, I think, wouldn't know. He blocked me like um, ten years. Oh, ago. really? Oh, okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm one of the. I'm one of the Justine Reed blocked oh. accounts. Use yeah. golf facts. You yeah. have made it. High five. Yeah, I really feel like oh. I really feel like that's a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think they they embrace that kind of thing, and that's what makes the Ryder Cup so genius. Is that why does I don't I don't know? You're from Europe. Do you mm. think of yourself as European, or do you think of yourself as German and English? Right. But for that one week. They're all European, and they all can hate Rory. Uh, they can all hate Ricky or Tiger or mm. Phil or whoever else. And it's really strange to me, but that that's a um, th- that's the one week that we're man. Those guys are not playing for any money, but they they would kill to to, to win their match. So I I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I just like it. I feel like that. I hope golf can take advantage of that and and do it, finally do what's right for the fans and not necessarily what's good for the pocketbook so. yeah mm-hmm. there's no doubt and i think we'll get, i think we're going to see that i mean i think that now that you know you're kind of combining forces with the two i mean i think not only are the players going to be made full on their end with mm-hmm. higher purses and but we're also as fans going to get to see the most competitive golf we can see because you've got mm-hmm. guys like brooks kepka coming back and mm-hmm. you know i mean these are these are world-class players I and mean, even mm-hmm. guys like Harold Varner the third, you know, mm-hmm. a good solid player. Yeah, you know? I mean, and, and a good dude. Yeah, so, right. Yeah, and, yeah, and of all of the live guys, he in particular was the one that impressed me the most with his comments because he basically said, "Hey, look, I'm Harold Varner the third. Like, I'm not Tiger Woods. I'm not mm-hmm. Rory McIlroy. I'm not Phil Mickelson. I'm not Brooks Kepka. I'm not going to make three hundred million dollars in my career mm-hmm. playing mm-hmm. golf." But I can if I go to the live tour, and you're talking about now generational wealth yeah. for me and my family. Yeah, yeah, good for him. And you know, I mean, and how, how are you going to say no? I yeah. mean, and, and I understand why some of these guys like Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth and guys, you know, they said nah, no thanks. Mm-hmm. I get it, but they also have a hundred million dollars in the bank already. Yeah. Say no. Yeah, there's yeah. no doubt. I mean, if you're Harold Warner the third, and like you know, you've finished top five a handful of times on tour, and I'm sure he's doing just fine. Mm-hmm. With you offering two hundred million dollars, like, well, all right, well now my grandkids' kids are going to be mm-hmm. taken care of. So. Mm-hmm. I don't uh, don't blame a guy like that at all. I agree yeah. with that completely. Anyway. It's it's easier to chase legacy when you you're taken care of financially. No doubt, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So I mean, that was something when we were we had a podcast with Michael Toth and we talked about Ian Porter too because I saw that you know we watched the documentary, um, Full Swing. Full Swing, right? Mm-hmm. It it you can see it coming. He's it's a it's a business decision at some point, yeah. and he's setting up his kids and. He's going to buy all those Ferraris. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I, <laughs> the matching I, shoes and the shafts. That's right. <laughs> that, that, Ooh, Porter. Love you. That, um, that's that's what I, my takeaway from Full Swing was I, I can't make all that add up to me. Like, Ian Poulter has been, a, a, you know, he's 
certainly does well at the Ryder Cup. Mm. But I would say his career is more or less kind of a journeyman PGA Tour pro, right? Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, that's pretty much all he's known for is just yeah. being a Ryder Cup world yeah. beater. Right. Yeah, but we don't know. He doesn't have full of Claret jugs. Yeah. This, right. this, I mean, this guy must be the Warren Buffett of figuring out a way to make money off the golf course. Is that the wrestling reference again? No, no. He, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> we have a real story for four. Warren Buffett was yeah. in the WWE. <laughs> no. <laughs> But he just, you know, he was on that full swing deal and then he would take off from um, Florida and fly his family private back to England. Yeah. And it was like, man, this guy. Is I'm with you. Like, I'm not real sure how he has that much money. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm sure he's probably got more worldwide wins than we probably are aware of. Like, yeah. if he went and looked, he's probably won on the European tour 50 times. <laughs> Yeah, I actually know. I knew who this yet. was too. And I'm just... Yeah, the Oracle of Omaha. That would be a wrestling name, by the way. <laughs> From parts unknown. <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it, that never added up for me. So yeah, it's uh, it's strange that he's yeah got. Well, I don't think it's strange at all that Ian Porter went. No, no, it's not strange. Oh, he went I'm to sorry. Live. Just how much it's, money he it's, has. It's, like, yeah, it hasn't won a lot of tournaments. You know. Yeah, with sponsorships, etc. Well, you know, I I would say that, it, but for the Ryder Cup. Ryan Palmer's had a better career than Ian Bolter has, PGA Tour wise. Yeah, right? I would mm-hmm. probably agree with you. Yeah, I, mean, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but yeah, you're probably right. Mm-hmm. But I see Ryan Palmer. I mean, Ryan Palmer pull up to Colonial in a pickup truck. You know, yeah, he's not rolling in in a three hundred thousand dollar Ferrari. So yeah, uh, maybe he should be. Maybe yeah, yeah. different strokes for we different don't folks. Know. Yeah, you know? like Ryan's yeah. a, a good West Texas guy. He is. Yeah, yeah. It's it may be old and fine with his four by four Silverado. Yeah, yeah. yeah. His investments might be property. So when you're when y'all rate golf courses and avid golfer, mm-hmm. y'all do that every week, every 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 yeah, episode. twice a year we do our best of private clubs and then we do our best of public okay. golf as well. And then and, and then you kind of do a do you do a you do a um, every every um, edition has a rating of yeah every course. month we yeah. do it, it's not a rating but yeah a, we call it a course review okay. but it's really more of a course feature i mean okay. i'm not in the business of going out and just browbeating courses because oh well you know the we only saw the beverage cart one time while we were there and oh well this tea box <laughs> didn't look great i mean it's it's municipal golf you know yeah. I and mean, i i tend to try and be positive and focus on the mm-hmm. things that are good about a particular course not the things that maybe they're a little rough around the edges mm-hmm. here or maybe this could be improved um, I don't want it to sound like an advertisement for the course either. So, you know, if there is a course we reviewed last month, a uh, uh, Tempest Golf Club out in Gladewater, which yep. is out in East Texas. Nice, nice layout. Yeah. Um, I play a qualifier out there. Yeah. I, I didn't know anything about that. I, pretty solid. Yeah. yeah, yeah golf course. Yeah. It, it can give you all you want if you yeah. play it from the back tees. And, you know, the one thing I kind of recommended in the article, the course is great. I was like, you know, but they probably could use like a combo tee because like the – the men's tee was like 6,000 yards, and then one tee back from that was like 6,800, and then you have the tips, which is like 7,400. And I'm like, well, but, you know, they could probably put one in between like 6,000 and 6,700, you know, like a nice 6,400 yard, like maybe a combo tee. Mm-hmm. So just little things like that, you know, that's not necessarily a big deal, but I want to make it sound like I'm not just like, oh, man, this course is just unbelievable from yeah. start to finish, you know. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, I've had a chance to play a lot of the courses around DFW and, and you said earlier, we've got a lot of great municipal golf and private club golf as well. And, um, mm. what, what, what do you see as far as golf courses go that kind of, what is this thread through those, the ones that do good stuff? Like, you know, there, there's, um, like the ones that get good range from you, mm-hmm. what, what, what are they doing that, that maybe some of the others aren't? Um, I think. By and large, it's just kind of the total package, yeah. you know? I mean, the courses that have, A, a, 
and Rick and Craig don't care as much about like kind of the architectural stuff as I do. I'm kind of a golf course dork. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of look at some of the architectural features more so than they do. Um, but just the overall composition of the course, the course uh, conditions, are the greens good? You know, I mean, mm -hmm. greens kind of make everything, you yeah. know, I mean, like you can have a course that's pretty rugged, but if the greens are good, mm -hmm. you're yeah. going to go back there and play. Yeah. And mm -hmm. The flip side of that coin, you can have a course that's great, tee to green, but if the greens stink, yeah. you're like, eh, you know what, I'm probably going to take that one out of the rotation for yeah. a while. That's yep. true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think just kind of the overall composition, just the course conditions, the hospitality. I mean, or is there somebody to greet you in the parking lot or is the staff friendly? Did you see the beverage cart? girl a couple of times would she, would she have qualified to be in the month right <laughs> she's been a cart girl of the month um but just yeah i mean just kind of the overall vibe of the course too i mean you know and and i try and take the way i play particular courses out of the equation because obviously um, you've played golf all over the place there are courses that you really really like that mm -hmm. suit your eye and that yeah. you generally play well at every time you play them and then there are mm -hmm. courses that kind of just it just it doesn't work it doesn't yep. there's just for some reason you don't ever play well there yeah and i try and not let that be a factor as to how i you know want to rank a golf course like well i always play like crap there so yeah i don't like it yep. yeah you know you can like a course without playing it well yeah yeah so but we we sit down and have a conversation the three of us and it's a little easier on the private club side you know we've had some major renovations in the last you know, six, seven years between Shady Oaks and mm -hmm. Northwood Club in Dallas yep. and yep. Uh, Dallas Country Club's going through a renovation right now. Miravista's about uh, to. But Miravista's about to. Colonial's undergoing a, a yeah. major renovation. Mm -hmm. um, but they don't move a lot. You know, I mean, obviously you've got, you know, your Dallas National and Brook Hollow and Northwood and, you know, some of the real heavy hitters in Dallas and then Fort Worth. You've got Colonial yeah. and Shady Oaks and Miravista. Dallas National opens up in a few months too. I think it's November, right? Or October? Dallas Country Club. Dallas Country Club, sorry. Yeah, yeah Dallas Country yes. Club, yes. Uh, I actually drove by there yesterday. I was Dallas like, National is doing theirs next year, is that right? That's a good question. We've heard kind of grumblings, but yeah, that sounds okay. right. Um, right. But but it's wild because, you know, you mentioned the state of the game of golf. And yeah, especially when it comes to private club golf, I mean, it's a, it's a major arms race yeah. between these clubs, you know? I mean, we've seen yeah. so many of these major renovations over the last yes. several years, and it's... It's really cool to see. I mean, you know, we're, we're blessed enough to get to play some of these courses mm -hmm. from time to time, not often, but, you know, we've seen Dallas National and Brook Hollow and Shady Oaks and, mm -hmm. and some of the good ones. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's cool. You know, I, I think clubs to me, um, now I'm talking about private clubs, but um, they, they would do themselves a, a service and the, the great ones understand this is that it's, 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 if you're going to be Shady Oaks, be Shady Oaks, right? If you're going to be Dallas National, be Dallas National. If you're going to be Trinity Forest, be Trinity Forest. Sure. And and not try to chase the, these other clubs around and say, well, you know, I was at such and such, and they they have ice cream after every hole or whatever the case right. may be, right? <laughs> and and if it doesn't fit, it you know, I, I preach this to Colonial all the time about, let, listen, let Dallas National do what Dallas National does. You bet. Let Trinity Forest do what they do. Let Shady Oaks do what they do. Mm -hmm. Um it's a little bit of the ticket philosophy. Let's let's do what we do because they can't do what we can do. Yeah. Right. Right. And and, and in some ways we can't do what they do. Right. Mm -hmm. and, sure. and let's be who we are. Um, I think that, but some of the things that I think you mentioned certainly about municipal golf courses and, and daily fee golf courses, some of the things that I think that, that probably they can do to attract people out to the golf courses really aren't that hard right no i uh, mean not not in but they the take, current state of golf no but they take intention to do it right yep. like you have to 
you, you mentioned, hey, let's maybe put a little more time and attention into our greens, or let's let's make sure that we have good service where somebody's meeting you in the in the golf in the in the parking lot sure. for your clubs. Stuff that probably they don't think about. But or some some of the ones that are maybe further down on the list that don't get as much attention, yep. don't think about. Um, but uh, you know, just to make that day a little bit more enjoyable. Sure. And, and I remember having a conversation with Greg Duraney, who's the director of Arlington Golf, and this was right after Texas Rangers had opened, and we had mm-hmm. had a chance to go out there and kind of play one of their media mm-hmm. events, you know, before it had uh, opened to the public. And he asked for our kind of feedback. And one of the things I told him, I said, may not sound like a big deal, but you know, for the for the rate that you're going to be charging, you know, it's going to be a hundred. $25 or whatever for non-Arlington residents. And that's fine. The course, well warranted for the course. Mm-hmm. But you probably need to have like teas and towels in the golf cart and yeah. like a couple like bottled waters. Yep. You know, like if you're going to pay that price point, you expect just a few little extras and it's no sweat off their back to throw a few teas in there, a couple bottled waters in the cart, you know. And he was like, it's actually a good point, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, but just little things like that that you expect from a higher end daily fee course. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, so, you know, we, we look at it all of that kind of stuff whenever we're going through our course ratings. And, you know, there are some courses that just, God love them, you know, they're municipal golf courses and they just don't have the budget. And, you know, they're never going to be super, super duper nice. And they're probably never going to be in our top 10 municipal golf courses, but they're still great value and they're great fun. And, you know, it's good for a a guy that wants to go out and have a a hot dog Mm -hmm. at the turn and have a couple of Coors Originals while he's playing golf and, you know, not pay $95, you know? So, yeah, I mean, and it runs the gamut, I mean, between all the golf courses we have here. I mean, we've got some of the nicest private clubs that you can possibly find in any metropolitan area. And we've also got a lot of great value golf courses for the guy that doesn't want to pay a bunch that, you know, wants to just go out and have a good time. And so, um, it's, it's, it's great. Yeah. Well, I always think real quick, I always think that um, golf is a little bit like you, you can, you can, you can set up a, a golf business by looking at Vegas, right? They've got it figured out because they've got, they do. They have the win all the way down to whatever's downtown, right? The four Queens or whatever yeah, sure. on, the, on the low end of that. And I, I read this book a long time ago about um, Jack Benyon, who started you know, the Horseshoe. Mm-hmm. And he, he had this philosophy that if you want to make a dollar, you treat the king like a millionaire or a millionaire like a millionaire, right? But if you want to, if you want to make a, a hundred or a million dollars, you treat the peasant, the everyday guy. I don't mean to call him peasant, but the everyday guy. I feel so offended. Yeah, I'm not calling you a peasant. <laughs> but you treat the everyday guy like, like a millionaire. Yeah. And, I, and I feel like that... Um, some of these maybe public golf courses could like i used to love going to when i didn't belong to a club i used to love going to cowboys because mm-hmm. um it was a and then maybe that's not a great example but it's, an, it's a nice course but you could pay like 200 dollars or whatever it was and you could play all day long and you could eat and I, i'm not a beer drinker but you could eat and drink non-alcoholic beverages all yeah. day long sure and so i would go out there on a saturday tee off at 7 a.m and i could have breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I felt like I got a great value out there. There's no doubt. Yeah. yeah. Um, and they still they still run that deal. And, they, and okay. it, yeah. it sells a lot. I yeah. mean, and, and they do have guys that, like you said, they get there and they have breakfast and then they'll go out and play and yeah. then they'll have lunch. And then, you know, if they want to go play some more, they can. I mean, it's it's a good value. I mean, and, and when people see the price point, they kind of gasp and go, whoa, it's like 240 bucks or whatever. It's it not for now. everybody. Right. There's no doubt. Right. But it's a good golf experience. It's on a piece of property that we don't typically have here in DFW. It's got yeah. some elevation change, yeah. which most courses are just kind of flat. Yeah. Um, you know, short of Dallas National and, you know, a handful of others. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a great experience. But to your point about, like, Texas Rangers, I think 
you know, I don't know what that is. What is that uh, per round at Texas Rangers? It's about 119 bucks. Okay. I think. It's, but but it's if I feel like, if I feel like I'm going out there and it's a great golf course and mm -hmm. I feel like I'm going out there and I'm getting like a quote unquote country club experience for that one day, then I'm going to like walk away and go, man, that was well worth. I'd rather go out there for 119 than somewhere else for 50 and feel like the carts don't really work. Yeah. And, and I'm and I and I'm looking around for water all day. Yeah, you know, the marshals ride me the whole day. Yeah, for, yeah. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Feeling really special. Yeah. Doesn't understand people are so in front of you. It just happened to me a few days ago. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Yeah. I won't mention the cause. So. But he, he really liked his cart and his walkie talkie. Okay. <laughs> they so, typically do. Yes, yeah. they do. So I, I don't know. I think that, you know, that, that's one thing I think that golf courses could probably understand a little bit better is that maybe those little bitty things that, yeah. that don't cost anything. I think that's a good point about the tees in the water. Sure. And, and for the most part, I mean, courses do do a very good job of that. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you, you know what to expect when you're going to go play at Pecan Valley, mm -hmm. you know, and you know what to expect when you're going to go to Cowboys, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and they can be two completely different experiences and neither one of them's way better than the other one. No, not bad by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah, it's just different, you know, I mean, and, and you kind of, you get a feel for that the more of the municipal courses you play and then you go to the higher end ones and then you go to these country clubs and you're like okay i mean like it's you know it's they're just it's different animals so. it is but it is frustrating to me when i go to country clubs and and listen my own country club has been victim of this too is they don't understand that like um you don't have to always do the the big stuff it's the little stuff that really matters sure. a lot so um you know, and sometimes you can't help when the, like Rockwood, you can't help when the greens die. Yeah, right. No, I mean, no they, doubt. they screwed up or, or they had a mistake. I don't know what happened, but, um, but the people are over, will look past that. But what they won't look past is, um, you know, just b bad service. And I'm not saying right. Rockwood has bad service. No, I'm just, I, yeah, I'm, yeah. I, but I'm just saying that, that some of these courses probably, um, and it's not so much the municipal courses. I think it's kind of the daily fee courses that sometimes run afoul of that because they get too caught up in the revenue side of things. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah. And yeah. they don't they don't understand that sometimes those things take care of themselves once you treat people well. Mm -hmm. so, yeah. I have two two things. One is a question for both of you. Okay. Imagine a scenario you've got two groups. One is a corporate round with people who don't play very often. Um, and one is your group of friends and you guys are competitive with each other and you have to choose two different courses in the area this week. I know there are lots of different courses, but if you had to choose two courses, one for a fun round that were not private courses and two for a competitive round, where would you take your guests? Ooh, that's a very good question. There's a lot of good options. Mm -hmm. um, I think if you're doing the corporate thing, uh, the two that kind of stick out would obviously be Cowboys and Texas Rangers. Mm -hmm. um, those are two kind of all encompassing. You get the you know, kind of the, the Cowboys vibe with the Lombardi trophies and they've got Tom Landry's fedora in there. And so there's some photo opportunities. The course is really good. Um, you get all the food and drink and everything in, included with the, with the green piece. That's a good corporate spot. Rangers kind of same deal. You know, it's got the Rangers vibe. It's got a sportsy vibe to it. Mm -hmm. um, of course, like Fossil Creek is really good for for kind of corporate stuff, too. I and mean, there's there's a there's a handful that, that would be really good for a corporate round. Cowboys would probably be the one that sticks out. Um, almost immediately, but I think if you were just going to play competitively with your buddies, um, mm -hmm. well, that's a good one because <laughs> there's a lot of really quality courses. Mm -hmm. I like Tierra Verde a lot in Arlington, and I'm not just chilling for Arlington golf here because I live there. Um, I think it's got one of the more fun finishes of the last three holes, especially if you're playing for a little money. There's 
uh, kind of a tough par five that, you know, kind of a little bit of a risk versus reward hole, and then a really short par four, and then um, a really tough par four to finish. So if you're playing for a few bucks and you want to press and do all that stuff, some some money can exchange hands pretty quick over those last three holes. So that's a fun one for for just your uh, your everyday kind of buddies. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm trying to think. I, I really do like Rockwood a lot. I think mm-hmm. it's a it's a good golf course. Once their greens are kind of back up and running, it's it's one of my favorite municipals. Uh, that I've played, um, John Colligan and Trey Kemp did a really outstanding job renovating that golf course from what it was. And I mean, you played yeah. in the Fort Worth City Championship growing up like I did. And I mean, back when they had the three nines and um, we always just call it rockweed. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right. And well, what, what they were able to do that was a, a master stroke for sure. Unbelievable. I, I, I think that I agree with you. I think, you know, for the corporate round, kind of Cowboys and Texas Rangers to me are the ones that immediately came to mind. You know, Tier Verde, I think, is one of one of the gems in in this area that people don't talk about mm-hmm. because um, there's not many municipal golf courses where you're every hole is kind of its own entity there at Tier Verde. Yes, you don't really feel like you're like it's not like you have to worry about. Sometimes you have to worry about municipal golf, and you feel like oh, four right, the ball's coming at you, and yeah. you know, there's guys on top of you all the time. Every hole is kind of its own thing so yeah, it's, it's really like, kind of like a poor man's pine valley you know is, where yeah. like every hole right. is kind of separate from one another and uh it, yeah it, you don't have to worry about you know getting sprayed with a tee shot from three fairways over yeah so. and i and i i don't know those colleague and kemp guys but i think as far as like municipal that those guys transform golf courses like nobody i've seen mm-hmm. um you know because rockwood when i was growing up was a red nine a white nine a blue nine and they somehow combined all those to the greatness of all three of those. Yeah, they, um, they took the best aspects of the three. With the red nine, they kind of flipped a couple of the way yeah. the holes were routed. You know, I think number two on the red nine used to be a way downhill par four where they yeah. flipped it. Now it goes back up the right. hill towards yeah. uh, Jacksboro Highway there, which is actually was really kind of a, a cool a cool design element. But yeah, I mean, I, I think Rockwood's a great design. I think yeah. they've done a good job on it. And, and they actually had the greens were in awesome shape about a year and a half ago. And they had yeah. them running pretty frisky about, really you know, good. like 12 yeah. on the step meter, which is about all you want as a municipal golfer but yeah i mean it's it's a it's a fun layout but we've got we've got so many options but yeah corporate wise I man i think there's a couple that kind of stand out but man i mean if you're just going to play with your friends there's there's 12 or 15 courses scattered throughout dfw that i think would be great also i, I probably should mention uh, as far as corporate golf that the new Fields Ranch courses up in Frisco with yeah. the Omni and all that. I, mean, I those, want to go down the. Those courses That's... are outrageous. Yeah. yeah, I mean, really, really good. The East course is a behemoth. It's all you want. Yeah, um, but it's, it's fun. Nice. And the West course is a little more resorty. It's a little mm-hmm. more whimsical. It's got some fun green designs and runoffs and stuff. But yeah, it's a. But both are really good courses. So yeah, that's another corporate option as well. Yeah. yeah, and then my second one is back to you, Eli, and kind of actually. Do you have anything you want to ask before I do like a finishing? No, go ahead. Okay, so if you had someone who wanted to get into broadcasting, what would you advise them to do? Go get drunk in Oklahoma. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, Find a friend called Justin or named Justin. Yeah, you know, broadcasting is a it's a little bit of an awkward profession to be trying to get into now because you just don't know the state of terrestrial radio moving forward with so many podcasts available. And Mm -hmm. my one piece of advice would be prepare to not make a lot of money right away, Mm -hmm. (laughs) if ever. Um, But if you're passionate about it and it radio gets in your blood a little bit, like once you've done it for a while and this is, 
it's why I like doing things like this. You know, I mean, it's it's great to to sit down and have conversations with with people that you have met but don't really know all that well and mm-hmm. would like to get to know. And radio is very similar. I mean, we've had um, the opportunity to talk to a lot of really interesting people over the years, whether it be you know Super Bowl winners like Troy Aikman or we had survivor man on our show one time if you remember his his old survivor show um so yeah i mean it's 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 definitely fun it gets into your blood if if you want to do it and you're passionate about it i would highly recommend it because you do get to meet some extraordinary people and if anything they may not bury me with a lot of money um but i can honestly say that i've met some extraordinary people throughout my time not only working in radio but also at the magazine and that is to me worth more than, you know, sitting in a lake house somewhere with millions of dollars. Um, that'd be nice too, but you know. Yeah, yeah I'd like to try it someday. But, <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, we'll see. But, but I, you know, at the end of the day, you end up in the ground just like a radio. That's else, right. right. So you have good stories. And I, so what, what are some of your, what, what would you say right now, if, if you're gonna retire like Norm did, what's your career highlight right now? Obviously, being on this podcast, number one. Oh, well, number one. Yeah, I mean, you're uh, welcome. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, just the people I've met. I yeah. mean, that that makes that makes it means the world to me. The people I've been able to interact with and talk to and be around, and whether it be the ticket guys or the the people I work with at Avid Golfer, or just you know meeting general managers of golf courses or head pros of golf courses, and they're in you know they're all they come from different walks of life and mm-hmm. different stories and just being able to talk to people about how did you end up where you're at, you know, and where did you get your start? And, you know, golf is very much an industry where a lot of people do have the, you know, the kind of silver spoon thing or they Mm -hmm. grew up in the country club atmosphere. And, but, you know, every now and again, you'll run into a guy that's just, you know, Hey, he's the the head professional down at Squaw Valley in Glen Rose. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he grew up riding cutting horses Mm -hmm. and just loved the game of golf. And now he's a head pro somewhere. It's so just the different people you meet, I think is, the best part of yeah. what I've been able to do. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's, that's a kind of a, the interesting thing about the PGA tour and live, right. Is that, um, I think uh, the undercurrent of all that is kind of the country club side of things versus like, what do we want to do with this kind of new tiger woods, um, uh, inspired top golf inspired, um, you know, new age. I don't necessarily think they're the same people, but there are a lot of the same people that are coming to the game. And how serious are we about growing the game? Are we, are we, yeah. do we, you know, the, the upside or downside of growing the game is you get a lot of new people in that may not have the same idea about, they don't really care about, um, you know, what Bobby Jones envisioned yeah. the game to be, sure. or even what Mr. Hogan envisioned the game yeah. to be. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, and, true. and and what that what that looks like. And and so it's our job, I think is a little bit of the foundation job is to welcome those people and show you that, hey, listen, it may not look like, but there are common threads here about um, what the game, this is what the game means and we got to strip it down to its core mm-hmm. and um, and see what it what it what what it can bring to everybody. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean at the end of the day, the the game of golf is something that we've all fallen in love with, and I think it's it's our being our passion. It's our duty to try and grow the game as best we can, and that means you know more diversity, more economically diverse people being able to play the game, and, and I think that that's something that we all need to try and be focused on moving forward because it, it should be inclusive for everybody. Everybody should be able to enjoy the game of golf. And I think yeah. we're, we're really starting to see that. And it's, uh, it's really nice to see. 
yeah, yeah. I think it, it, it does offer people um, opportunities. You know, as I, I as I always tell Josie, like our job is not to make the result the same for everybody, but the opportunity should be the same for everybody. Right. And yeah. um, that's kind of I think that's the beauty of the game for me is that we all get to tee it up on the first hole and and the scoreboard is empty and you can you can scorecards empty and you can shoot whatever you shoot. Now, that doesn't mean we're all going to shoot the same score, but mm -hmm. you all have the same opportunity, so it should be the same that way, too. Yeah. So We all get to tee it up. Doesn't mean that you have skills, though. Yeah. Well, I'm just kidding. Please edit that part out. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> so, Eli, where does, where, what does what 10, 10 years from now, and that's a hard question, but what does 10 years look like for you from now look like? Are, are you, um, uh, I'm not making, I'm not wanting you to make a, a um, proclamation of some sort. Yeah, no, I, I would make one if I could. Um, you know, it's such a fluid industry, yeah. you know, both print media and radio media. Um, who knows? I mean, you know, I, I just hope that I can continue on a path where I get to keep meeting interesting people, put a little coin in my pocket and, you know, keep my wife happy. And hopefully that's the hard part. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully it works out, you know. But I, I do think that you, you've done a good job so far in your career of, of being a, I think the most important thing in any career is being able to adapt. And and avid golfer from where I don't know when it started, probably in the early two thousands. That kind uh, of ninety eight. Okay, mm -hmm. yeah, I just remember kind of reading it when I got out of college, and to see what it's come to now from going from probably a magazine read by golfers, and these are golf tips and that kind of thing, to now, as you say, like lifestyle magazine, and probably now adapting to. The internet and all those sure. kind of things. Yeah, and that's um, something we're actively trying to do is to try and increase our online presence, whether it be YouTube or Twitter or TikTok and right. Instagram and all that kind of good stuff, which, you know, and a little bit of my advancing age is kind of going over my head, but um, we're working. We're trying to get it done. So, well, that's what Josie's for for the foundation. That's she's, right. She's I young, bring in the youth. Ideas. That's right. I bring out well, the, any, the any ways age. that the Hogan Foundation can help uh, Avid Golfer, we're happy to happy. To, we're all on the same team here trying to grow the game of golf and trying mm. to bring people uh, new ideas to the game and, and expose people to that. Yeah. So. Of course, yeah, that's thing. obviously reciprocal with us as well. Anything you need from us, feel free to let me know. Also, um, you guys can all catch up with the um, T-Box Golf Show on Spotify, which is how I actually keep up with you guys. That's right. Yeah, we're on Apple Music and Spotify. So, yeah. yeah. So Apple if we're, we want to find you, we listen to you on 1310, the ticket, the 96.7 FM. That's right. 96.7 mm -hmm. FM, 1310 AM, Saturday mornings from 8 to 10. Myself, mm -hmm. Rick Arnett, Craig Rosengarden, okay. Box. Mm -hmm. And then we find you on avidgolfer.com. Myavidgolfer.com. Yes. Myavidgolfer.com. Okay. Yes, sir. Great. And then, and then if I wanted to find a hard copy of the magazine, where do I do that? It is available in pretty much every pro shop for all the uh, public and private courses, as well as uh, PJ Tour Superstores and some other retail stores. But yeah, basically any uh, any course that you walk in, they're usually right there by the front door. So okay, so are you guys advertising based? Is that that yeah kind of how the revenue? It's a, works? It's a free publication, but yeah, yeah, that's generally how we uh, generate revenue is through okay. through advertising. Yeah. Okay. Are you, you all in DFW only or yes, okay. DFW? Yeah, and we we used to have a Hill Country publication, but we weren't you know having to send photographers down there to do stuff. And it's, it's hard when not on the ground, yeah, right? Yeah. So yeah, we uh, we just decided that it'd be better just to, you know, kind of keep it in DFW and yeah. It's a pretty good uh, community of growth. So it is, so. there's no doubt. We've got a lot, of, a lot of great courses and every professional tour comes through here at yeah. some point or another. And yeah, we've got, it's a it's a golf hotbed and it's only it's only gonna continue to grow and get better. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Um, yeah. 13 months of golf a year is what they say. That's right, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Well, Eli, thanks for being here. Of thanks course. For, we appreciate your friendship and, and your, your time today. So, of course. Yeah, yeah, you bet. Yeah.